Welcome to Stay Grounded with your host, me, Raj Jana. I'm the founder of Java Press Coffee Company, and my life changed after my mentor died with three months left until retirement. That experience inspired me to start a personal journey to discover how we can all live a purpose-driven and meaningful life starting today. I interview everyone from best-selling authors and business moguls to extreme athletes and monks to discuss happiness, success, and fulfillment to uncover powerful takeaways that empower you to stay grounded and make passionate living a reality. To access post-podcast discussions, insights, and further resources, visit rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded. So thanks for joining me today. Now, let's get to grinding. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to episode 19 of the Stay Grounded podcast. Can you believe we are 19 episodes in? God, this gets me so amped. Um, Just the opportunity to get to talk to some of these people and share their lessons with you. Um, So anyways, uh, super excited about this week's guest. Uh, Mrs. Shannon Miles. So if you guys remember an earlier episode we did uh, with her husband, Brian Miles, uh, who is the CEO of Belay. Shannon is the co-CEO of Belay. So they share responsibilities uh, running the company and making it as successful as it is. Belay has, uh, if you don't remember, has over 700 virtual team members. When I say virtual, I mean they're not working in an office. They're all just living wherever they want. And they serve over a thousand clients on a daily basis. So it's a huge company. And uh, Shannon is amazing. And we talk about a lot of incredible topics from working with spouses to her new book, which comes out. Uh, And I'll let her talk a lot about it. And she's really passionate about helping um, others live a more full uh, and rewarding life by not necessarily taking existing options that the world gives you and just running with that. So she's Super awesome. Uh, I'm, I'm so excited for this episode and for us to, to chat and for you guys to be a part of it. So, um, but before we get started, definitely, uh, if you haven't already, go ahead and leave a review, a rating, subscribe on whatever medium you like to listen. Uh, the more engaged you are, the more feedback you give me, the better I can make this podcast for you. And, uh, and the more we can get this out to the masses and just change the world. So anyways, super excited this morning. If you can't tell, um, I've got my coffee here. Hope you do too. And uh, without further ado, let's get started. Welcome everybody to another episode of the Stay Grounded podcast. Uh, my name is Raj Jana, as you already know, and today I am with a lovely guest who is also a dear friend of mine, Mrs. Shannon Miles. How are you, Shannon? I'm so good. Thank you for having me on. Oh, I'm so excited. Uh, for everybody, uh, the Miles name probably sounds familiar. We, we had Brian, her husband, on earlier a couple of weeks ago, and um, Shannon and Brian are both in business together, which I'm sure has tons of learnings that they could probably share here, but... Uh, uh, went over her background in the intro already, so I'm not going to focus too much there, but just to get started, I would love you, Shannon, to talk about kind of where you are right now, um, and, uh, how, how you got started with Belay and kind of what your role is with the company. And then we'll just kind of take it from there. Sounds good. Yeah. The episode on how to work with your spouse could be a whole other topic of conversation. We've learned a lot about what not to do, but for now, um, we figured a lot of stuff out too. Uh, it's a joy. So yeah, Brian and I did start Belay seven and a half years ago. 
Now um, we quit our jobs at the same time to go all in on the company and use our 401ks to fund it. So we were seriously committed to this idea of crafting a different kind of life for ourselves. Um, We had been working in two different corporate environments and for different reasons, we needed to make a change. Um, And so, yeah, that was seven and a half years ago. Um, Now we share the role of CEO in the company. We're the sole owners as well. And it's funny, when we first got started, I was the CEO and he was the COO. Somewhere along the way, we switched roles. And then (laughs) in January of 17, we're like, oh, let's just do co-CEO roles together because we had groomed some leaders up in our organization to assume the COO and CFO roles. So um, that's my the function of my job right now. Um, the two areas of focus that he and I hold though, Brian's more externally focused. He's an amazing visionary and is always looking three to five years ahead in the business. And, and I am still very much more operationally minded. So I kind of oversee the leadership team and, and management development and some of the more internal operations of LA. So that's how we divide and conquer Raj. Yeah, that's, and I, I, I'm I'm inspired and awestruck just by how you guys have had so much success uh, working together. Um, was that a was that a challenge getting to that point where both of you knew your unique roles and how did how did that sort of evolve over time? Was there an understanding between the two of you um, and and how did that kind of come back to your day to day lives and and what you are both focused on achieving now? Yeah. So when we started the company, Brian and I were had already been married. 12 years. Does that sound right? Maybe more, maybe 13. Um, Cause now we just celebrated our 20th anniversary. So we had opportunity to, to really not just grow up together, but like we raised each other. So um, we really knew each other's strengths and weaknesses and, and had a mutual respect for each other because we're very different. Like, I could never do what Brian does and he could never do what I do. But the two um, giftings for us, like the, you know, the various areas, they work and they complement each other. And we had both seen each other rise in our professions and kind of climb the corporate ladder and just had a great deal of respect and trust. So I'm not going to pretend like there weren't tough days. You know, it was, you know, a financial strain, as you well know, Raj, like when you're starting a company, you have to do everything, right? So you have all the hats (laughs) until you find great help, right? And so there's always, you know, an evolution to what we do. But the underpinning of all of that was this huge amount of respect and trust and love that made it all work. Of course. And I think that uh, what I see, at least from both of you, you guys aren't two halves coming together. You guys are two holes coming together to make two different Mm -hmm. people. And I think that's what's so remarkable about you guys. Y'all are so amazing in your own rights. Um, So tell me more about sort of how your day, like how do you start your day? Um, You know, how do you, how do you, how do you begin your day uh, to do what you need to do? And what are some routines that you follow on a day-to-day basis to keep yourself rocking? And rolling like you are. <laughs> Honestly, as I was for this podcast, I was like, oh, snap. No two of my days really look the same. So I hope I can add some value in this area. <laughs> but I, I tend to be, I have a general sense of what I want to accomplish in a given week. But I like a fair amount of freedom and flexibility in my schedule. So there's kind of like two different starts to my day. 
One is I have a friend that I work out with. And so I'll get up at 545, go work out with her from six to seven, come home, you know, shower up, get the kids ready for school. Harper goes to school at 745, rainy at 825, walk her to the bus. Like that's the general start to the day when I'm working out. When I'm not working out, I get to sleep until seven. And that is a delight. I will not lie to you. Oh my God. <laughs> but always with coffee. Listen, every day, every day with coffee. Yeah. Coffee's a non-negotiable. I'm glad you and I are on the same page. Um, fresh ground. Fresh ground. Amazing. Okay. Well, so that's, that's, that's amazing. And I love that you have two different types of routines based on the type of day you're having. Um, so when, uh, talk to me how important that morning routine is for you. Is it, mm-hmm. is it, cause for me, I find it hard. Like it's, it's, it's more important for me to do the same thing every day because it's like, it's like kind of like my gear to get in, but you have two mm-hmm. different routines. Um, how is that sort of, is it better? Is it better for you to have two different routines versus one? Um, mm-hmm. Have you tried committing to one and then just realized that wasn't going to work for you? Um, kind of, how does that, how does that fit for you? Rigidity is not my friend. I do not like feeling forced, <laughs> either self-imposed forcing or external forcing to do the same thing. So as I've grown and matured, like I, I realized that I actually feel more accomplished when I'm allowed some freedom and flexibility in my schedule, knowing that really most of that comes from me, right? Like I don't have a boss. I don't have anybody telling me, okay, you have to be in the office by 8.30. Like I have the freedom to start my day how I want. And for me, that's not a routine thing. Like it, it, is, it is a little bit different every day. One thing that I have seen though that will always create a more enjoyable day is when I start my day with gratitude. So my friend Lexi Thompson yeah. created a gratitude journal through her company Tribal. And I got that at the start of the year. And that was a great, just sort of like, it doesn't take long, maybe five minutes at the most, but it's just a a reframing your mindset for the day to say, yep, I may have all these things that I need to accomplish, but if I carve out just a little bit of time every day to start with gratitude, the things that I um, am grateful for, obviously, but then my intention for the day, um, I just noticed that really, if if I make the time to do do that, and that is the majority of the time I do, um, I just see the result. I kind of call back to that throughout the day as things may get stressful or hectic or maybe didn't go according to plan. Um, And then in that journal, there's also an opportunity to go back and kind of reset like in the evening and say, all right, what was my happy place today? What was my high five? You know, how did it go? And what intention do I want to take to sleep? So um, that's just a very practical tool that maybe your listeners would benefit from because it has made a difference for me. Absolutely. I love what you just said, setting the intention before you go to sleep. I've always found that if I don't set my intention before I go to bed, the next day I wake up frazzled um, mm. and not feeling grounded in what I need to do. Um, so it is, um, I love that you said that it is like a morning and an evening thing, connecting the dots so that you can feel your best. And I love that. So gratitude, you talked about gratitude. Gratitude's a huge uh, topic of conversation for me because I know, at least for me, it's been such a big part of my life. Um, how does gratitude show up for you? Where does it show up for you? And how does it sort of um, manifest itself uh, in, in your day to day? 
Yeah, beyond the journaling, right? Because that's more like internally focused, the things that I'm grateful for. I think gratitude is more powerful when expressed. And so if I'm thinking of something when I'm journaling or whatever, and I think, oh, I'm grateful for maybe something Brian did, it's then important for me to go tell him that. And it's Mm. created this mindfulness that um, requires action. And so whether it's verbally telling somebody how grateful I am for them or um, trying to instill that mindset in my kids or with people that I work with, um, I, I know it's cliche, but thank you notes go a long way. And that's some people's love language in the work environment, especially. And so when I look at my team, you know, I'll carve out time to just write. If I know somebody's rocked it out of the park or gone above and beyond, or maybe just consistently doing a great job. I'll just send them a quick note, either handwritten text, you know, email, whatever. Like I see you and I'm grateful for you and and the work that you're doing doesn't go unnoticed. Oh my gosh. That's so great. And you said something that I think I might have to poster on my wall. Gratitude is mindfulness taking action. Um, that's, that's, that's so, that's so real. (laughs) I'm like, think I was thinking (laughs) when you said it, I was like, Oh my God, that is brilliant. Um, no, I, I, I can't, I can't even disagree with that. Um, I just made it up. Let's make it a thing. Let's like let's, a thing. let's coin the term because I totally just made that up. <laughs> how does, uh, how does gratitude feed back into happiness for you? Um, does it empower happiness? Does it, uh, does it, does it make happiness come easier? Sort of what, what is the link for you between the two? They go hand in hand. Um, I find that if I'm feeling unhappy, if I reset with gratitude, like that changes things for me. And if you're familiar with Enneagram, I'm a three. And so I always feel like there's more to achieve and there's never an end to the amount of things that I need to accomplish. And that's an exhausting way to live. And I don't want to live that way. I want to be happy um, because I think like not only is it just selfish, you know, I want to be happy for myself, but I want to make other people happy as well. Um, and I feel like my genius is, is inspiring other people. So how can I do that if I'm in this grumpy, always more to accomplish, never enough hours in a day, fra- frantic, frazzled mindset? It just doesn't work. So gratitude is a really practical way to stop looking at what I haven't accomplished what I've yet to do, goals that I've missed and say, hold up. You actually have accomplished a lot and you need to be grateful for that. And even if the accomplishment for the day is something simple, you know, um, just recognizing and being grateful for that accomplishment makes me happier. I love that. You're such a amazing person <laughs> i just want to give you a hug right now i'm giving you like a little <laughs> you're sweet you guys, you guys all right we'll do it. virtual yeah, long virtual distance hug because you uh, kick it in austin and i'm here in atlanta <laughs> yeah um, do you know what raj let me share one practical example for you and if i could just real quick on that topic yeah, again, there was something that happened recently um so i'm sure we'll talk about it in a minute but i'm launching this book right and it takes a village to launch a book. So there's the launch team, there's my belay marketing team, there's the company that we partnered with to create the book, like a lot of different people, a lot of different moving pieces and parts, always with deadlines, right? And we were kind of reaching this like fever pitch a week or so ago where there were a lot of unanswered questions, a lot of confusion, a lot of frustration. And I could just feel this energy from my team. Like they were, they were getting kind of pissed (laughs) and 
I just sent them all an email and I said, Hey guys, listen, I know that there's a lot going on right now. It will all work out. It will all be okay. Like we're not going to get this perfect, but it's going to get done. And we don't work in an ER. Like lives are not at stake over this. So it's not to, to minimize the work that we're doing because it's important, but like, let's just pause, take a step back, be grateful for what we've accomplished and know that it's going to be fine. You know, and, 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 um, the marketing director called me and she thanked me for just that one simple email. Raj, it took me like, no joke, like two minutes, no time at all. But she said it changed the whole tone of the team because they were feeling stressed. So I think part of it is feel like being connected with your team and knowing kind of the energy that they're exuding. And then you as a leader, like what you can do to affect that in a positive way. I love that you use gratitude as a reset button, not only for yourself, but also for the people around you, the energy. Like you mentioned, I, I wholeheartedly appreciate that just because even me, like I, I, I as much as I try to be grateful, I forget that um, gratitude is, is a tool as much as it is something that makes makes me happy. So thank you mm. for that reminder. Um, on the concepts of, of virtual hugs and just being virtual in general, I love uh, you are one of the few unique people that I can actually pick your brain on about working virtually just because you've been doing it for so long and you've got such a culture and, and your book really kind of uh, brings in that concept. So if you don't mind, I'd love for you to sort of talk about uh, what your book is, um, because I think it's really important for all of our listeners to at least hear about the story, because uh, it is, it is, you do have amazing insight on this. And so tell me about your book, what's coming out, what the premise of it is, and, and, how, and, and how, how, how it's manifest for you. Okay. Yeah. I'm all about virtual. Like I could never go back and work in an office or a cubicle again. Like I am on my back deck right now, like looking at the trees and I'm working just as hard as if I was you know, like in an office under fluorescent lighting. So I am all in on this virtual thing yeah. um, and have been for a long time. So yeah, my, so the book is called the third option. Why a woman doesn't have to choose between a career and family, but can actually have both and be successful. And I wrote it um, because I, I couldn't not write it. Like I tried to not write it for four years. Um, it's my story of almost 13 years ago now when I decided to um, migrate to a part-time virtual job when I had my baby Rainy. Um, and Brian and I had to wrestle through this decision of what to do because, you know, we were both working full-time in sales um, and it is hard to sell and travel and have a nanny and a baby and feel like you're, imagine. you're living your best life. Right. Like <laughs> it sounded like a great idea on paper, but then we had her and she was seven months old and we were just like, we, this isn't working. Like somebody has got to quit. And so initially I thought that was the choice. Like I continue on working and we push through and suck it up and I see her, you know, on the weekends or I just have to quit. Well, what happened was I evaluated my work situation. I was working with a big corporation at that time. And there was this part-time role that kind of developed in my maternity leave. And I went to my boss and I said, hey, I would really like to step out of sales and go into this part-time role, get paid my back commissions, and then stay home. The reality is I never really wanted to stay home, but I didn't know that not like some kind of hybrid was an option. So I went to my boss, I proposed this idea and he was like, no, 
you're, I'm not okay with you doing that. And I was like, hold up. I've never been more convicted about something in my life. And you, you're telling me no. Yeah. <laughs> Can't imagine that. I was totally deflated. And so, but I was convinced like this was the right path for me. And so I went home, talked to Brian about it. And the next day I went to his boss and I said, listen, this baby has wrecked me. I love this company. I love my job, but I can't keep doing this anymore. Can we please just work out a temporary solution for me to, to phase out of my job and, and stay home with her? And he said, yeah, you've done a great job for us for at that point. It was like six years yeah, um, or five years. He's like, yeah, let's figure something out. And so I just, I was determined like something had to change and um, we couldn't keep going the way that we were. So it was worth the risk to kind of go above yeah. my boss's head to make it happen. And that set me out on this journey, Raj, that ended up becoming the foundation for Belay, ironically enough. So that part-time gig just kept working for years and years and years um, until it became obvious it was time to leave that company altogether and start Belay with the model, you know, the part-time, remote working, flexible, autonomous, but still professional and getting work done model really started with that, with that conversation and that transition for me. And so that's what the book is about. I love that. And I, you said something really interesting and I'm a sucker for the concept of having your cake and eating it too. Um, and so I'd love to sort of explore more on that idea. What, what is this third job or this third wave, um, of, of working and, and why, and how can someone have their cake and eat it too? And what does that look like for somebody who might not even be aware of this option? Yeah. You do not have to choose between a 40, 50, 60 hour week job outside of the home with a crappy commute on either end of it or not working at all. Like there are a plethora of third options out there that mine looks different than yours. That looks different from my corporate team, from contractors, from freelancers. Like there's so many iterations of it. And I think it it is honestly open to your imagination and your ability to dream and hustle. Like it, it can look different in different seasons too. So part of the book is not just my story, but it's the story of other people who are in different stations of life. For instance, um, a millennial that works for us who was working in a large nonprofit and literally had no time for friends or family and, you know, had gone through college, like did all the right things, right? Like met all the expectations and got into this setting and was just like, this is not for me. I can't live my life this way. And she quit even without having a backup plan. And she came to work for us, um, working from home and now can go visit her dad a few States away for a week or two at a time and have the relationships that she was never able to foster before. And all the way to, um, somebody else that works on our team who had a, you know, a kid in school was working outside of the home, but not feeling fulfilled and now is working for us remote and can go to Seattle for two weeks to plan her mom's cancer treatment. Cause she wasn't happy with the way the doctors have been, you know, had been planning out her care. So it, it literally is transformational when you capture the vision of like, you don't have to, meet the conventional mold. You can really dream for yourself, like what's going to work for your life and craft a plan around it. What gives, and I, I love that. I, and I, it's, it's so empowering to hear that. Um, for those who are working 
you know, full time or like, how do you rewire your, your, your brain to sort of embrace this, this new wave and, and, and make it something that's, that's a reality for yourself. Like, cause I mean, I, if somebody came up to me when I was working full time and said, Hey, look, this is a reality. You can do this. I'd be like, get out of here. Um, <laughs> can't be real. Right. So yeah. how, do you, how does one kind of go from this to there and kind of rewire their brain to expect that they can't have it all if they really want it? I think you hit on something that is hilarious because we hear all the time in interviews, this can't be real. Like, okay, sure. <laughs> you know, and I'm always like, no, we're not telling you you're going to make six figures from home in your pajamas, but you will make a good income and you can totally be in your pajamas, at least from the bottom down. Like you may want to dress it up on the top because we <laughs> do encourage video chatting, but let's be honest, everybody wears yoga pants all day long. Um, so I think it being realistic, you know, it's not panacea. Um, it's work from home, but it's still work. And so I'm always a little bit leery of somebody who's, who says, oh, I just want to be at home with my kids. It's like, doesn't every, you know, like sure, but you got to, you got to produce, right? And so it's the balance of it truly being work, but you can also prioritize your family and your personal life in a way that you can't in a traditional office environment. I mean, if you think about like the mindset, you probably heard this, you know, people being in an office, I just need to go home to get something done. Like what kind of craziness is that? Like that's a mindset, right? But if you shift and say like, I can be, and you embrace that, like I can be productive at home and get the work done that I need to, but also have the time that I need to for my personal obligations or personal development or passions outside of work. Like you really can shift and say, I, you can have your cake and eat it too. And people say, can you really have it all? It's like, yeah, I think you can. You just have to know what all is for you. If all is, mm, you know, $400,000 a year in income, then, and work for like, probably not. There's probably a pretty small subset of the population that can pull that off. But if all for you is the ability to travel and still work and maybe have less, but really important things. Like you just have to prioritize what's truly important. I love that. And I, I like the idea of everybody's all being different. Um, Cause I think that's the first step in sort of empowering yourself to, to take action, to go and have it all. Um, you know, most people, at least from my experience, get trapped in this sort of dogma that, Hey, look, I'm not successful unless I have this, 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 and this. And they're looking all out in the future. But the second you reframe that to what you just mentioned and say, you know what, that's not success for me. Success is spending time with my kids or success is being able to be there with my, my mom going through cancer, whatever that may mean for you. Um, I think that that's a really important shift that you just mentioned. Um, working virtually, how hard was it for you when you first started? Was it Was it tough to kind of flip your brain into, into productive mode and then off. Uh, and, and, and what were some, some strategies that you use to get yourself uh, to be more effective working in an environment that's not traditionally uh, meant for work, if you, if you would. Mm-hmm. 
I think one key thing about working remote and making it work is you have to be a self-starter. I think it's, it's probably pretty difficult to work at home if you need to be given every single task or every single job to do. That's probably pretty tricky because there's a lot you have to motivate yourself, right? Yeah. Now, I have a decade, maybe two on you. So working <laughs> remote for me started so long ago, like the technology is totally different. Um, video chat was like a, a novelty at that point. Now it's just how we live. Like it feels weird to talk to somebody on the phone. So I think, you know, embracing the the prevailing technology and leveraging it for your work, whether it's, you know, project management systems or Zoom for video or Slack or whatever, like there is no shortage of technology that will enable you to be productive from home. I think one thing that um, has evolved over time is, and maybe it was partly like because I was starting a business too with Brian and that can just, you know, that can be a lonely experience. Right. And I was fortunate enough to do it with my spouse, but even so it's hard when you're starting a company to have people to relate to. Yeah. Yeah. The universe is kind of small, even friends at work. It's still just totally different. So I think, um, in terms of working from home, regardless of what you're working on, whether you're going out and starting your own thing or you're just becoming an independent contractor or you're working for another organization remote, don't do it alone. And that's been an evolution for me. Like it can be isolating, but it doesn't have to be. It's still, it's work from home, but it's relational work when done right. And I think you have to recognize yourself too. Like if you need to be around people and you need to go work at a coffee shop, go do that you know, and just to be around the energy of other people, but then also like scheduling your day so that you have touch points outside of just the work that you're doing. For me this year, I've been doing something new that might be worth sharing with your your crowd. Um, I identified my five areas of priority for the year Mm. and um, they are to grow our partnerships to grow myself, to grow my team, to grow the company and to grow influence. And I set those areas of priority on the days of the week. And so my assistant knows to kind of group things that fall in those categories on those days as best as we can, you know, travel affects that and and other people's schedules and things like that. But that's been a really practical tool for me to work virtually because I can start to segment my time so that it's most effective and then also I can know, okay, I've accomplished something in this category today. So back to the achiever thing, right? And never yeah. feeling like I've done enough. I can say, nope, I did something today to grow the partnerships. Check that off the list. Feel completed. Go take a walk. You know, <laughs> like That is so, that's an awesome idea. Oh my gosh. I'm, I'm like, I'm like taking mental notes right now. I need to implement that <laughs> in my own life. So, so you said you have, just to recap, you have five priorities mm-hmm. that you've five intentions that you've set for the year. And then each day you try and focus on making the most of each of those intentions so that nothing gets left behind. Um, Cause that's exactly. Something- so for instance, like my grow partnerships is to strategically network, to connect with existing partners, to allow free space to run to any marketing opportunities that come and um, to hold space for book development. So that's just like Monday. But that gives you so much flexibility to like first not beat yourself up. Like you said, you can check off the win that you had. 
but it also gives you opportunities to really invest your time um, into the things that matter most to you because you've intentionally set an entire day for one priority. Um, mm-hmm. I love that. That's, that's so amazing. So do your priorities, are they, it sounded like most of yours were, were workforce focused. Do you have priorities that are, that are lifestyle focused as well that sort of fall on certain days or do you try to make time for uh, the things like the lifestyle pieces that are important to you every day? How does, how does the balance between work and life sort of fall in with your, uh, with the way you schedule your time and manage your time? Okay, I got you. Yeah. Um, Some of that falls within the window of these times. Like, for instance, Tuesday is to grow myself. So I will always go to my favorite yoga class on Tuesday, even though it's like, you know, prime meeting time in the morning. Like, that's important to me. And I need that at least once a week outside of the house um, to feel grounded. You like how I did that there? (laughs) Uh, But that is a true statement. So um, that, and then like, you know, my religion, we go to church on Sunday. So that's, you know, obviously not like during the work week, but that's a high priority for me. Um, My friendships are incredibly important. So um, I'll reserve time like on the weekends for those guys, you know, whether it's family time with friends or, you know, individually, Um, that whole grow influence day on Friday. It's very mentoring is very important to me as well. I'm not in a, I'm not leading a formal mentoring program this year, but I am going to for 19 again. And um, even so like investing in emerging leaders outside of Belay, is important for me. And so having a lunch on a Friday, would I expect nothing in return, but I, I just see maybe, a, you know, a new business leader struggling. Um, and I want to invest in her. Like I'll, so I'll implement, you know, things like that throughout the week that are kind of lifestyle, Yeah, you know, and, but, um, for me, back to like not having a super rigid schedule. Like my life is very integrated. You know, I work from home, right? So there's really no, I don't really have an office in my house right now. We're working on that, but like, it's all connected. And so that, that mindset is reflected in my schedule as well. I love that. So you're really intertwining work and play in a way that allows you to feel fulfillment, um, no matter how you, how you paint it. Um, that's awesome. I love that so much. I'm serious. Shane, I'm literally like, just, I'm, I'm going to like figure that out for myself and how that looks for me. Uh, <laughs> and do you know what some of the power is behind that Raj? Like I shared that with my leadership team so they could know, you know, for me as their CEO, what my priorities are for this year. And I'm not, you know, th- theirs are different and I know what theirs are too. And some of them overlap and some of them don't, but I want them to know like where my priorities are and, and, generally speaking, what the schedule looks like. And it's super helped my assistant. Now this season's crazy busy because it's in the book launch and like that's, that's trumping a lot of things, but that's okay. That's a conversation that we had. And, you know, she has the freedom to do that. But like with Sarah, you know, if she's trying to schedule stuff for you and you've got to find buckets of focus, it does, it makes some of that easier. Like, okay, can't meet this Wednesday, but let's look at the next Wednesday or the one after that. And then gives her some parameters to work around too. I love that. That's, that's, and it's being open, right. With, with the people in your life about what's important to you and allowing the people in your life to kind of fall into this, this priority shift for you. Um, I've at least found that the more I share what's important to me, to the people in my life, uh, the more understanding and aligned everybody becomes, uh, on the same page. 
Um, do you have any experience with that? How open are you about the things that are important to you with the people in your life? Are there things that you try and keep to yourself? And if so, how does that all manifest? I'm probably open to a fault. I just, you know, I, I err on that side for sure, because maybe you've experienced this too, but I find that the more transparent and honest you are about either your current situation or your hopes and dreams or your goals to get there, like the more people actually want to support you. Like, just yeah. like you're rooting for your friends and family, they're rooting for you too. So why not share that? And I, I don't know, maybe I was just like, I know that the last 12, 13 years of my life wouldn't have been possible without the help from other people. And so it's become easy for me to just be open about that and honest. And I screw up, you know, I met, you know, I forget to do things sometimes and That's whether it's personal do. obligations or business. And, and I don't, I don't try to cover that up because I think it, especially in a leadership role, like you're modeling what you expect from your team. And so if my team misses something, which they will, cause they're people, right? Like I don't want them to cover it up or, or posture or pretend like they're, they've got it all together. If they don't like, Let's just be open about it and figure out if there are some things that need to change to help prevent that from happening again, or if it was just a crappy day, like, you know, like I just, I think it's all, it's all connected and it's our responsibility as leaders to like be, to lead in transparency. We actually had a um, consultant work with our leadership team last year and he was working with Brian and I specifically, and he coached us to say like in our leadership team meetings, I don't always want you guys to lead with the answers because your team will naturally default to you. And that's yes. not what you want. You want them to come up with the answers. What I do want you to lead in is in transparency and vulnerability. You set the tone for that. And so if we ever had like an icebreaker or, you know, or like a personal discussion time at the beginning of the meeting, Brian and I would always go first to set the, the level of vulnerability and transparency that we expected of our leaders. And we saw the team gel as a result of that yeah so i know sorry that was a really long answer to like a no, no 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 straightforward question but i just i i live it i totally appreciate it no it's the more you the more you explain it the more it crystallizes for me and i'm sure some of our listeners so please don't apologize for that um <laughs> that's gosh i i love you know what, what i'm noticing about you in, in in general i i just love the amount of ownership that you take um mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's a, it's something that's, that's, that I've just been picking up along every answer you've had. It's like, it's my responsibility to do this. It's my responsibility to set my calendar this way. How do you develop an attitude of ownership to where, you know, you're, you're like, was there a, is there a shift? Was there a shift for you that happened where you're like, you know what, this is how things need to be for me to be happy. Or like, how does, how did you, how do you develop that skill of just starting to own everything that's going on in your life? I was raised low, like income. Um, my family was pretty poor. My stepdad was in the military and was medically discharged. Like when I was in elementary school, like we lived in a trailer, like I just grew up having to create everything in my life. Um, even through like funding college and paying for my wedding, you know, with, with Brian, like, and so it's never been this like, I did it on my own. I'm my own self-made person. It's not that, but it's like, I, I, I wanted to, and I, I wanted to take ownership of my life because I wanted a different life than the one that had been modeled for me. 
And so I, I've never been one to, you know, play the victim and expect something from anybody else. Um, I've always wanted to create that for myself so that I could then in turn be a blessing to other people Mm. Um, because I don't think this life is about me. And so I think that is just something that, you know, my mom is very self-sacrificial. Like she modeled that for me um, and did the best she could with the tools and resources she had. But like, I just never wanted to settle and just say, oh, well, I guess this is my path in life. Like I always wanted more. I love that. And that's... That's that's empowering and very very relieving to hear. I think because um, at least I don't know. For me, I I think if you don't take ownership of the things in your life, um, you can't have anything in your life. Mm. And mm-hmm. um, ownership is such a it's a decision. It's a commitment to yourself that I think is so important because happiness, success, fulfillment, all of that takes work. And if you're not working on making it something that's that that is in your hands uh you give it up to fate and nobody likes that i think the other side of that coin though is like because i own my stuff like i also had a tendency when i was younger to try to own other people's stuff too Ooh, yeah <laughs> and that guess what doesn't work owning other people's stuff <laughs> like and so it's been a you know a learning process through trial and error of like okay, hang on a second. If there's something going on, like, like I'm sure I have a part in it, but really defining what of that I own versus, you know, whoever I'm going through that with, what their ownership is in that situation too. And I can't tell you like how liberating that's been. And this is that part for me, that other side of the coin has really been in the last couple of years, being honest about like, hold on a second. I don't need to own everybody else's problems. Like, and I don't need to have the solution to them. That's, that's their ownership. That's their responsibility. And that has been liberating to, to release that. How did you, how did you learn to release that? Because I, I face that problem now where I take mm-hmm. on problems of other people or people who might reach out to me either from my past or my present. Um, how do you, how do you, create that for yourself, uh, that mindset shift. <laughs> Everybody else has, everybody's got their crap, right? Everybody's got <laughs> And I think I probably have just, and I can't cite like a specific moment, but I, I think you can, for me, I can feel that frustration start to well up. Like, oh, they're not doing what I expect them to do, or they're not reacting how I respect, expect them to react. And it's like, hold up, that's not their fault that's my stuff that I'm putting on them trying to own their stuff. It was just, it was just messed up. So I think just experience of seeing like how that doesn't work. And, um, I also like to surround myself with people who don't settle, Mm, you know, like being a driven person. I don't have a lot of people in my life who are just like, Oh, well, this is status quo. Like, let me just roll along. And so I, when you surround yourself with people who also want to continually grow and learn and develop, and become better, then you just start to see where those lines are of the stuff that they own versus what you own. Yes, that is it. I love that so much. That is, that is brilliant advice. Shannon, you are like, oh my gosh, I could talk to you for hours. So (laughs) tell me more about um, when your book comes out uh, and where people can find out about it and anything else you want to say about the book that I know our listeners, I mean, everything you've shared so far has been so valuable. 
Um, so I'd love to just dive more into your book and just give people a, uh, an understanding of, of, of what kind of value you're looking to provide through. Cool. Thanks, Raj. Um, like, like I mentioned earlier, like I didn't want to write this book for four years. And this, the change for me is that I wasn't writing the book for myself. I was writing it for other people to inspire them to make a change in their lives. And so as a result, one of my favorite parts about this whole journey is hearing the stories of all the third options that are out there. And literally, I've had people say, it's an answer to prayer. Or, it literally changed my life. Yeah. Um, so those stories are captured at mythirdoption.com slash stories. Um, your listeners can go post their own or just get some inspiration for what's, um, what's there, um, at that site. There's also slash manifesto that kind of gives a better overview of what that mindset is all about. Um, there's a quiz you can take and a decision tree and like how to, how to know if you're ready for a change. So there's resources out there that you can access. You can order the book there too, or it'll be on Amazon. So mythirdoption.com. I love that. Mythirdoption.com, folks. Uh, Shannon, I, I do have a question um, that I love to ask all of our listeners. In the midst of all of your successes, achievements, how do you stay grounded on a daily basis? I am extremely close with my family. And I think for the parents out there, like your children are a mirror <laughs> to you, the good and the bad. And so they keep me very grounded and very humbled and very aware that this life is not about me. Um, so the better connections that I have with them, the more grounded I feel. You're such a feel good person, Shannon. Gosh, like <laughs> we can keep talking. I've got time. Like, it's cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I'm, just, I'm just listening to you speak about everything and it's, and it's, it's, it's such an act of service. Um, and I don't usually talk to a lot of people. You and Brian are both very similar in that regards. And mm -hmm. that's why I love you guys so much. Um, but we're cheering you on, Raj, and it's been so much fun to watch your success and the growth of your company and to be just a tiny little part of that. Like, I just love what you're up to and the intentional connections that you're making with people. Like, you are the real deal. Everybody at Belay, we're like huge Raj fans. So, like, when we <laughs> ran into you at South by, everybody's like, oh my gosh, Raj. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I appreciate the kind words. Uh, I've got great mentors like you guys to... To, to keep me going. So uh, anyways, Shannon, I, I want to thank you so much for your time um, and for sharing your story and for, uh, I can't wait for your book to come out. Um, thank you. So um, for everybody, uh, this is Shannon Miles. Shannon, if someone wanted to get in touch with you, how would they be able to do so? Is it mythirdoption.com? Yeah, um, you could do that. I, you know, for me personally, Instagram at Shannon K. Miles. And Perfect. You know, Instagram from yeah, my third option is, is just that. So yeah, that's the best way. I'm I'm not great on Facebook. Perfect. So just do Instagram. <laughs> All right, Instagram it is. Well, everybody, uh, this is Mr. Shannon Miles, um, and that's a wrap for another episode of the Stay Grounded podcast. Uh, until next time, stay grounded, folks. Thanks for joining us today on this episode of the Stay Grounded Podcast brought to you by Java Press Coffee Company. My name is Raj, and I hope you found this interview helpful as you create your own ways to make daily happiness a priority. If you're interested in learning more about how your morning coffee can turn into a consistent source of joy in your life, visit www.javapress.com to learn how our products can help you do that and use the coupon code PODCAST for 10% off your purchase. Again, thanks so much for joining us. Stay Grounded.